I care about my son's growth in linguistics, in music, in physical side of things uh, and social dynamics. But wouldn't it be cool if I could teach my son how is it to focus or how to learn anything? How do you make them learn the skill of learning something new? I wish I could do that. I'm going to go a step back. First, <laughs> we shouldn't make children learn anything. We should invite them to learn something. And so one of the beautiful things about teaching mindfulness and yoga and other emotional learning skills is that we don't make children do anything. Welcome back to another exciting week of rerouting. Deep, tell us, who are we talking to this week? So this week we're talking to Carolina, a good friend of mine, and we have never met. We met over a mastermind course um, online, and I really liked her because she was on a very special journey. She had recently left her corporate job and had decided to become a mindfulness teacher. You know, she learned and practiced yoga with kids, and she ended up studying happiness as a subject Wow. With a lot of professors and universities around. And when we reconnected, I reached out to her because I was really struggling with keeping sanity. This pandemic was really fresh back then. It's a dated episode. And I was really struggling to keep sane through this new change of working from home mm-hmm. and figuring out what additional things to do with Janosch, with my son. So I reached out for some additional tips. And my original intent was really to figure out how can I be a bit more mindful, but we ended up speaking on little things we could do with our kids to teach mindfulness in daily lives. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode and hearing what she has to say. I feel like overall, this is something that we we don't focus on with kids. They naturally have it, this kind of mindfulness and no concept of time and just enjoying, you know, the flower they find on the sidewalk. And I feel like through all the the things that we have to do, right? We kind of suffocate that out of them a little by we have to hurry up and get ready for this. We have to be there on time. It's time to do this. Eat all your food. Don't play with it. All of these different things because we're socializing them, right? And then when they get older, what are we doing? We're trying to teach them to just be happy again and Mm. (laughs) enjoy things. Um, And I kind of noticed that years ago and with Olive since I want to say maybe she was like four or so. And of course I have to give a shout out to Pine Hill Country Day School, her preschool that she went to where they did yoga class every week. And so she had at a very young age, this introduction to like awareness and Mm. feeling yourself breathe and relax and different things like that. And so we even got a, a book called Bedtime Yoga. And it's really easy, um, really cute illustrations, everything. She was four. I would say you could even do it with two-year-olds, three-year-olds, I think just about any age. And it's just really simple poses. And so sometimes before bed, we would, you know, reach for the sun and do a sun salutation and feel our hearts and and feeling them bead and all of those things to just kind of be be present. Um, we didn't do it every night. And of course, it's really easy to slip away from this awareness because it really takes your attention that you focus on it. So 
I think Carolina is going to have so many great insights and I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. It's going to be a good episode. Hey, Carolina. Hi. How are you? Hi, Deep. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. I guess you're dialing from Argentina, right? Where are you based right now? Yes. I'm in Patagonia um, in Argentina. Wow. So I'm a few hours earlier than you. And super cold, right? Or is it getting warmer now? Yes. Um, actually, we're, we're going in from fall to winter. So it's getting a little bit colder. And how's the corona situation? Is it everything locked down? Nobody on the streets? How, how are you guys doing? So we started with lockdown, complete lockdown. Uh, and now, just since today, some people can start to go out to do exercise. So before... Yes. We could only go to supermarkets or pharmacies. So like very emergency style outings. Now yeah. there um, are some like entertainment and exercise. But basically it's a more flexible lockdown, but still lockdown. Yeah, here as well. I mean, things have been pretty hard for, you know, since last couple of months. And mm-hmm. so at my son's, you know, kindergarten, we suspected a case even earlier. So we kind of pulled him out and, and made sure that, you know, he's staying at home. But ever since that, I think it's been just kind of a roller coaster, right? Initially, it was, it was uh, exciting, and you're getting you know used to the new change. And now that things are opening up, it feels a little bit better. The weather helps. Yeah. But I think you know this has been an amazing you know period in terms of finding new things that you know I've started to value, and it's been exciting times in terms of spending time with my family and son. But at the same time, managing you know home office, so it's pretty challenging in that sense. Yes. A bit overwhelming for some parents, right? Uh, handling all of these roles as cooking at home and, and being teacher at home and being uh, an employee at home. So yeah. there's a lot of things to handle. Yeah, I mean, that would be an understatement. A bit overwhelming is quite an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been, you know, I don't know what hit us, but it's just been crazy. And that's the reason why I wanted to speak to you, actually, because I know, I remember that, you know, last time when we spoke, you worked uh, quite a bit with kids and you specialize in mindfulness and active work with children. So what this you know intense time has done for me personally is that because I'm spending so much time with my son Janosh and you know spending time at work at the same time going back mm-hmm. and forth, it's presented me an opportunity to be a lot more present to his growing up uh, on a daily basis mm-hmm. as opposed to previously where I was sort of outsourcing this whole development to his kindergarten to his teachers to his friends maybe even a lot to his mother but now I'm present and I I feel that it's been a blessing in disguise for me because I've started taking a lot more interest in his growth and as I do that I I realize that there's so much little that I've known from experience and it's everything is new and then I thought about you and, and I realized that you worked you've done a lot of work with kids in terms of you know yoga with them but also you've studied happiness and mindfulness as a profession. And I thought I'd pick your brains on that. So if, <laughs> if that's okay, I would, I would really love you to throw some light on these topics. But tell me what you've been up to, what you've done in this space. So I certified myself as a life coach. That's something from which I recently graduated. And I've started to apply, especially now that so many people are, are needing some support with all of these anxiety from this. Yeah. But also when we spoke last year, I was starting my mindfulness for children certification. 
Right. I'm almost done with that in July. I, I get my certification. And it's been really nice because I got certified as a yoga teacher for kids about two years ago. And so what I had been doing most of last year was doing giving some kids yoga classes yeah. a few times a week. And I would practice doing the mindfulness at the end. So I would do maybe 30, 40 minutes of yoga and then 10, 15 minutes of mindfulness at the end. And that was the way I was practicing these lessons that I was learning and starting to see how the kids would react. And so mm. it's been really interesting to put these two things together and see how the kids like it or don't like it or what they say about it and their emotions. And so it's been really interesting. And when you mentioned happiness, I've also started uh, happiness studies. And so mm. it's something that's really interesting me lately. Mm. And I'm, I'm taking it on, online. And it's with a professor that used to do a happiness class in Harvard. It was one mm. of the most attended classes in Harvard. And mm. so he decided to start a happiness academy. And he makes happiness trainers. So I will soon be a happiness trainer. As wow. Well. <laughs> cool. That's a lot of happy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's so important right now so just before this corona thing hit us right i came back from this vipassana meditation uh, which is all about you know mindfulness and you do that uh, in full focus for 12 days straight without talking in a silent retreat and without that i realized going through this current times would have been so hard right because yeah. we are always looking for distractions constantly looking for external stimulus to to feel excited and happy that you know it doesn't come out naturally that to be present and be there to feel happy about things and i think it's such an exciting thing for me to learn right now and i've just started opening up myself to how to figure out this being happy in with so much constraints being at home with kids juggling yeah. multiple things and and still being present but what i don't understand is is that really a thing for kids like mindfulness for kids is that something which can be taught to them w what does that mean for kids well so first let's start with what is mindfulness? Because a lot of people don't really know what mindfulness is. Mm. And so mindfulness, if we break it down, is being able to be in the present moment, being aware of being in the present moment, mm. and then doing it in a way that is, it has like a cognitive emotional balance to it. So it's not judging the experience in itself, but just being with it and mm. being okay with it. So in a way, kids are already very much more present than adults. They are more in touch with their senses. They are more in, in the here and now. So they have an advantage yeah. <laughs> in mindfulness right. over us. But they're not actually aware of being aware. If, right. Because part of being part of mindfulness is that meta-awareness. So it's right. not only aware of what I'm listening but I'm aware that I'm listening. So I'm not only aware of what that I'm eating and I'm feeling the textures, but I'm aware that I'm that I'm experiencing this. So so part of teaching children mindfulness yeah. is not so much the being in the present, which they've already sort of got that advantage. It's more of that awareness of the awareness and the non-judgmental and cognitive balance part of it which yeah. is being able to regulate our emotions while yeah. having these experiences. So that's the part that we actually, we teach it, we teach all of it, but 
those things are the ones that they don't actually have at the moment, most of them. Mm. And well, in regards to your specific question, I mean, if we're talking, for example, about math, well, math is for all ages mm. and math is for children and it's for adults, but you wouldn't start with a five-year-old with a calculus question. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> you wouldn't start with a five-year-old child with a Vipassana silent meditation retreat. Right. <laughs> and it's like you have to start I, I wish. with the building blocks. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could make that happen and be silent, making silent for like childhood. <laughs> but yeah. Silence for 10 days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have to start where they are, first yeah. of all, and, and do age-appropriate exercises. Uh, and also start with the building blocks. So they have to start with maybe one minute meditation mm. or 30 mm. seconds of mindfulness and uh, being present here and now being aware. So it's starting with them, where they are, mm. with their age, with their experience. Mm. So part of it is the, is the age, but mm. also their experience. So if you have a parent who has been doing mindfulness with their child since they were four and now they're eight, mm. they might be able to handle longer meditation periods or mm. more complex meditation mm. exercises. Whereas mm. a child who's 12 but has had no experience at all might only be able to do five minutes. Mm. So there's something about age and there's something about experience mm. with mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So when you think about this topic, right, I find it's pretty loaded for two reasons, right? When you say mindful Mm -hmm. parenting, it's one mindfulness for myself. And and I experience that when I look at how I treat my son on a daily basis, most of the time I'm dumping raw emotions that I've carried over from my family onto him without knowing it, right? There are those moments where I, I become aware that why did I react this way? Or why did I answer his question in this form? And I become conscious that this reaction might have a lasting impact on him uh, on, on some ways, right? So that mindfulness for myself on how I treat, mm-hmm. how I react to my son's demands or, or requests or tantrums. And that's, you know, I think there's a, there's a place for mindfulness for myself. But on the other side, the mindfulness for the kid. And what I've started to become a lot more interested in is that, you know, I care about my son's growth in linguistics, in, in music, in physical side of things uh, and social dynamics. But wouldn't it be cool if I could teach my son how is it to focus or how to learn that meta skill of how to learn anything, right? So I guess that the benefits of focus that you get from mindfulness would simply also translate for the kids. How do you make them learn the skill of learning something new? I wish I could do that. So, so I'm going to go a step back. Yeah. First, <laughs> we shouldn't make children learn anything. We should invite them to learn something. Hmm. And so one of the beautiful things about teaching mindfulness Mm. and yoga and other emotional learning skills is that one of the first values about this is that we don't make children do anything. So we want to invite them. We want to like, it's like we're planting a seed. So we're showing them something that's a skill for life Mm. and that will greatly benefit them. Mm. But we're planting a seed. We don't want to make them do it. So it's an invitation. And it should be the same for math and for language and for anything. Mm-hmm. But I know because of certain policies and, and certain parenting ways, some yeah. parents just want them to do it and that's it. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I would say that 
especially with social emotional learning and especially with mindfulness and yoga, it's an invitation. So the child should not be like, you have to do this. You, you have to sit down for five minutes. You have to meditate because then they won't want to learn it. So learning comes from curiosity. Love of yeah. learning comes from curiosity. Yeah. So if you can plant the seed of curiosity, then kids yeah. will want to learn. Yeah. So I have a definite intent in anything that I'm planning with Janusz, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm so vested in that result or in that, in that thing that even though I don't say, hey, you have to do it, but I get so much frustrated when the process that I have in mind, he's not following it. And he's, he's deviating from that. So, so for example, this morning, we were trying to do a simple exercise of building a TV with a cardboard, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted him to have this fun of being able to insert little characters behind this cardboard TV uh, and create a play out of it so that to instill that creativity and, and then drama and, yes. and storytelling. But he just didn't want to do that, right? And and I got frustrated and, and I was like, okay, I got to stop myself because <laughs> I was so much vested in this process of how he picks it up. Do, do you have any examples on, you know, what could we do, little things that we could do to bring that mindfulness and, and spark that curiosity on daily basis that I could practice with them? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things I would like to point out right there. And it's mm -hmm. that, Parenting is a lot about expectation yeah. and it shouldn't be, but it is. And yeah. that's one of the things that when we're learning mindfulness, it's really important to do it in like together with heartfulness. Mm. So mindfulness is really like, well, in, in the Asian countries, there isn't really much difference. There's mm. mindfulness, heartfulness, it's all Part of the same. Makes, yeah. But in but here um, in the West, we've sort of divided it. Yeah. So there's mindfulness, which is focus, improved attention. And then there's heartfulness, which is more like for, towards compassion and emotional regulation. And it's actually, they're all part of the same practices. Mm. But part of heartfulness, and I bring it up, is compassion. Mm. And so as parents, we must bring compassion to parenting. Mm. And that means knowing that we're not going to be perfect parents mm. and knowing that our kids will not be the 100% exact expectation we have of what our kids should be. Mm. And as we accept them as they are, we can love them more mm. in a way that creates better connection and better bonding because we're actually just, seeing them as they are and being with them as they are. Mm. So I think this is really important mm. because mindfulness and mindful parenting can bring the attention to how am I listening to them? How am I paying attention to them? Am I being with them? Yeah. But the heartfulness part brings to mind, am I accepting them as they are? Am I accepting that they are not going to build exactly the TV as I was expecting it to happen, <laughs> yeah. am I going to just accept that he did what he did yeah. in the way that he did it? And so that's, that's really great. And when we teach them that, then they mm. learn it as well. So mm. some of the benefits of mindfulness is not just improved attention and better performance in objective tasks like those we can get at school, but it's also like greater emotional regulation mm. because we understand understand our feelings and are able to be with our feelings and then process them and let them go mm. and also greater compassion 
for ourselves and for others. And this is for children as well. So there have been a lot of studies where children who are having or doing mindfulness regularly are not only just improving their focus in school and having better relationships because of greater emotional regulation, but they're also having greater compassion for their school buddies. And so they're doing, they're being more kind. There's Mm. less bullying. There's also less anxiety and less stress so they Mm. can manage themselves better in life. So, Mm. so yeah, there's a lot of great benefits that we only not see only in adults, but also in children. Mm. And yes, I can give you tons of examples of things you can do on a day-to-day basis. So for example, you can do there there I will touch base on different sorts of activities. So mm. there's meditation, like formal meditation activities, because there there is a difference between mindfulness and meditation. So mindfulness can be understood as like a trait. Mm. It can also be understood as a state of mind and can also be understood as the formal practice. Mm. Whereas meditation only encompasses the formal practice. Sometimes people confuse both. So yeah, meditation would be like formal practice. But mindfulness is a bit wider because it can be like, you can be in a state of mind of mindfulness where I'm not actually, you know, sitting and doing the practice, but I might be mindfully cooking. And so I'm present in the moment while I'm cooking but I'm not actually sitting down and doing meditation. Mm. So mindfulness is the support system for meditation, for formal meditation practice. So if you're doing a formal meditation practice only maybe 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day or Mm. half an hour a day, but you don't support it by doing mindfulness during your day, then you're not Mm. actually applying it. So it's good to have both. And it's also, if you don't do the mindful sitting practice, Mm. then sustaining the mindfulness is really hard because it's like you need to exercise in order to Mm. gain that strength. So it's like if you don't go to the gym and work out and you Mm. don't do like weights, Mm. then it's going to be really hard to pick up things around your house because you won't have strength. Mm. But you sort of need both. Yeah. So, so the idea is to do it without even knowing that you're doing it. How do I put that down for like a five-year-old? How, what can I do to practice with a five-year-old mindfulness or, or even harder meditation? Right? <laughs> okay. So for practicing like actual meditation, yeah. I can give you a few examples. We can do, for example, paper boats. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of YouTube videos you can find where you can like make your own paper boats. And so you make the activity you paint mm. them, you make them. And then you would put them uh, on your stomach mm. and you would make believe that your stomach is like an ocean. Mm. And so you would do like breathing in and so the boat goes down and breathing up and the boat goes up, mm. breathing down. And, the boat. and then you, you are teaching him how to breathe in and out. Mm. You're making it a game. And you tied it to an activity where you were both sharing. Mm. And then he's actually doing the meditation because he's actually doing the breathing in and breathing out. And you can do it like a count, like, oh, breathing in, the boat goes up, yeah. breathing out, the boat goes down, breathing in, the boat goes up, breathing down, the boat. And so you wow. can play these types of games. Or um, that, that's, if that's, it's a younger kid. and 
Now, I was just going to say that that is such, so again, being playful about this is so cool, right? Like I've tried tons of times to wake up in the morning and make him do three deep breaths. (laughs) And he would honestly stop after first or second. He's like, no, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> like, that's the first thing of you course. do. Of <laughs> course. Yeah. He's a kid. You have yeah, to no. make it fun. What I was going to add is if it's a really, really younger kid, maybe three, mm. uh, and they won't do paper boats because it's really too complex, um, then you can do the same, but with a stuffed animal, stuffed mm. toy. And then you just uh, make, like, you get a stuffed dolphin or a stuffed uh, bear. I don't know. Mm. And it, he's like in the ocean. So it's just playing around. Or for example, I don't know if you know these bubble wands where you can blow out and, mm. and you get the bubbles. You can u- use that also. Like breathe in deeply and then let's make a big bubble. But ma- let's make it slowly so it goes really big. Mm. And then that's a way in which you're like using the, mm. the breathing. So they're mm. actually doing breathing. The thing about it is just to create awareness. So it's like, mm. oh, breathing deeply. Mm. Okay, let's breathe out and breathe out and make a really big bubble. So when you're guiding them, you're actually creating this meta awareness of the awareness of the breath so that it's not just playing bubbles, but at the same time, you're making it into a game. Mm. That's, that's really cool. I, I wish I had this, you know, endless creativity to come up with these little ideas and hopefully that, you know, resorting to an app or a screen time would not be the, the ultimate fallback option, right? And But the way you explain that is, is so cool. Is there any, way, any resources that you recommend where I can find these ideas or, you know, which, which could be a go-to resource for me to come up with this on, on a regular basis? So Susan Kaiser Greenland, yeah. she she developed some mindful games. She has a book yeah. and she also has some cards and okay. you can buy them. And I bought them on an online or something. And there are several people who have mindfulness games. So, you know, just go online and there's like a lot of mindful. Personally, I, I used hers because I know she's been uh, working with mindfulness with children for a long time. Yeah. And I really liked her, her book and I found her cards to be really nice. Mm. There's also a few books like Daniel Siegel. Okay. He, he has quite a few books that are really useful. There's the whole brain child. Mm. There's uh, parenting from the inside out. And no drama discipline. And they're all around parenting, but parenting in a mindful way. Yeah. So those are less about the games and more about, you know, theory and how to parent mindfully. Mm. And there's also a really good book about mindful parenting that's called The Awakened Family by Dr. Shefali. She's really amazing. Okay. And one book that I would recommend that every parent read. And... It's not an actual mindfulness book. It's The Little Prince from Sandic Superi. So I read this book when I was a girl. Hmm. And I thought it was a good book. I mean, it was entertaining enough. And then I had to read it last year again as an adult because for our coaching practice, they asked us to read it. Hmm. And when I read it, it was like, I could finally understand how children see us. <laughs> mm. So it was amazing. And it's a great book to really sort of connect with children mm. from the adult point of view and also to wake up our inner child. 
So I found it to be a great book just to connect with children again. Little Prince, you said? Yes, The Little Prince. Cool, Carolina. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, this this is this is fascinating. I think I'm just getting started on the journey and and I'm going to check out some of these things, but these little creative stuff would be really cool. Maybe, you know, one of these days we could also have a session together to see Yes. You know. Sure. Uh, yeah, that I would I would love that opportunity. I um, have so many ideas about ways to do mindfulness or or even creativity, emotional intelligence, so many things that we can use this time to to reinforce and to develop with our children and yeah. I think this is an, a great opportunity to do all of these things. Is there is there a way for you, you know, where you publish this stuff or where you where people can find you with all these things that you're creating? Actually, <laughs> not yet, but you can follow me on Instagram. Um, yeah. I am about soon to publish my own webpage and to start doing some of these workshops online. I have been doing workshops, yoga and mindfulness yeah. uh, in person, yeah. but not online yet. And so I will soon start publishing dates and times for workshops and a few games and things that you can start using for these days for parents and children to get together and do some mindfulness. I think you'll have your first customer already. So as soon as you do that, hit me up. I'm (laughs) super excited. So you can follow me on Instagram, my personal Instagram. It's at C-P-A-D-I. L-L-A-V-I-L-L-E-G-A-S, my name. But yeah, I'll I'll probably start my own website soon enough so I can publish all of these things apart from my personal Instagram. You got to do that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. (laughs) It's been really helpful. No, thank you, Deep. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, Yeah, take care. Bye. (laughs) Bye. All right, guys, if you've been enjoying the show, uh, don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want some more goodies, come to readoutingpod.com.